this thing. No title again. Is it rolling, Bob? Okay, we're on, we're back. This is uh, yours truly. Won't even tell you who, because you know. And the Dixon Jane's podcast number, number should be 952, I guess. I think so. Um, I haven't even released the second uh, podcast that I cobbled together from my time at Mossport. I'll do that this week. But I just felt, since I'm sitting here in South... Oh, shut up, would you? Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Uh, since I'm sitting here in South... Um, oh, no, chicken, no, 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 sorry. Um, that I would just start one. I've had another one of those drive through incidents... I'm kind of sorry I haven't made like a separate podcast just on Scarborough Dude's drive-throughs because I mean there seems to be an issue every single time. Um, today's was, you know, minor, but I got to relate it to you anyway. Um, so hang on while I have a sip of my. Small iced coffee. That's a clue. Now, it probably, I'm going to argue, it probably tastes better than the large. I have the feeling by the time you get the large, it's more watered down. More ice, less of a coffee taste. Right now I'm tasting coffee, which is good, which is what I wanted. So, having a small iced coffee for a dollar is not a bad deal. But I went and ordered two large iced coffee for a dollar plus, and I've just finished that, I didn't even want to share that with you, the $2 butterscotch sundae. Now, I know it's not really ice cream, I don't know what's in there, but my God, they are so good. I love caramel. I love caramel. And the, the combination is perfect, and they always give you tons of the caramel, and so you can just dip right in there. And I brought it back to the road trek, <laughs> and the reason I'm sitting in the road trek to eat it is because I have a special spoon, a tall, very small spoon, small head on it, kind of uh, wedge-shaped, that I knew was the perfect spoon to be eating this Sunday with. Not my famous $25 red spoon. No, no, not that one. The one made in Japan from Honest Ed's. No, no, this is another one. A one of a kind. And I knew that was perfect. So that's, I've already eaten that. I'm on the uh, the uh, iced coffee now, the small iced coffee. Um, I left another one on the stairs for my son to uh, come and get it. Um, but... You know, I, I looked online. I drove up to the McDonald's. I just had a real craving. I've got to have an iced coffee. And then when I got there, and as soon as I saw a sign for the Sundays, I thought, oh, my God, do I have a Sunday instead? No, why don't you have both? You know, $4 total. And um, But then when I uh, went to order uh, my two large iced coffee and the Sunday, it came to $6, not $4. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought they were all a dollar any size. No, and it's a dollar for the small one, two dollars for the large one. Well, I'm looking at my app, and of course it is a dollar for the large one. If you order, if you take my offers, where I have sixteen hundred or one thousand six hundred and sixty-eight points already, no more added today, because I decided I'm not going to go through the fuss of doing the app. Something is going to go wrong. If I use the app, something's going to go wrong. Something. It happens every time. I'm right here. All I have to do is drive up and just say the order, exactly what I want in my head. No trouble, no fuss, no bother, no app, no how's it going to be paid, and am I going to be mischarged or whatever. No, just order and get it. 
And, of course, when you do that, you don't get your special price of any size for a dollar because you didn't use the app. So they had to reverse the order. Said, no, that's okay. Give me small ones. Charge me just a dollar. So there you go. Not a big deal, but just, you know, here's me thinking, okay, I'm going to bypass the app altogether. And, of course, the problem was, well, if you bypass the app, you don't get the special deals, man. You got to use the app to get the deals. You got to use the app to get the deals. You got to use the app to get the deals. But anyway, I'm quite happy with my $1 one. In the end, (laughs) it didn't matter. It didn't amount to a hill of coffee beans. Okay? That's it exactly. So I'm going to stop there. That was all I needed to do. This is an introduction, but, you know, hey, I got to put that other podcast out. I'm very... I had a fabulous time at Mossport. It was hard slogging, pushing that four-wheeled trolley up hills and down hills and over rough terrain, but by God, was it good. And the time I spent with the drivers, a, a nice little touch, as I mentioned, uh, if, I guess maybe it's in the second one that's not out yet. Well, it will be by the time you're hearing this, um, that I spent the evening with two of the drivers uh, driving the little uh, bug-eyed sprites. And I took a picture. It just happened when I was taking all the pictures. I got the guy, uh, Roger, from uh, Ithaca, New York, or somewhere thereabouts, and got a really nice shot of him going down straight away in his little car. And it's perfectly captured. And fr- of course, I cropped a little bit, but it's it's a perfect shot of him in his little uh, his little green uh, Austin Healy. And... Um, Looked him up on Facebook, and of course, yeah, there he is. I mean, I had the names because I could just go back to the uh, the um, bro- the uh, thing that they give you. Not not a catalog. What do you call that? A thing that uh, <laughs> has all the information you need. Program. Thank you. Um, just look through the program. Look up the car number and where are the where are the little uh, bug-eyed sprites. Okay, that to be category two. Okay, or group two. Group two. All right, here we are. Ah, yeah, there he is. That's him. So I found him on email on um, Facebook and uh, sent him the picture and had a nice little exchange with him. He thanked me. Wanted to know what corner it was taken at, and uh, I told him. So there you go. All right. That's all tidied up. Now I'm going to uh, finish my very tasty $1 small size iced coffee, which is actually a considerable size. It's all you need. I didn't need any more than that. I didn't need any more than this. So there's no, no problem. I mean, it's worked out, but just, all right, next time you want a deal, use the app, you know? Scarborough Dude signing off on a beautiful, beautiful Monday. No, Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to see the movie 75 tonight, Japanese film about uh, getting rid of people voluntarily once they turn 75, pay you money to uh, put you down. So that's, uh, that should be interesting. And I made an appointment to see my eye specialist once more to uh, go over this damn North York Eye Associates paper from Dr. Rathi about good, better, and best treatment for my eyes. I want to talk to my my actual eye doctor about that, see what she has to say since she made the referral. And... On my way, I returned Page Boy, which I finished, and uh, ooh, a little, I'm a little squeamish. Like I do not understand, and it's because I mean I'm not in that category. But having surgery to become flat-chested, I'll put it that way. Again, and it just, it just, it makes me so squeamish. I mean, I mean, I understand my mother had a mastectomy for breast cancer, and I understand necessary surgeries. In this case, as far as Elliot Page was concerned, this was necessary. And uh, she's grateful. He's grateful, sorry, um, for um, not having to deal with titties anymore. <sighs> yeah. So anyway. Uh, so I did drop that off and went into the library, went to the news section, as I always do, and I tell you every day in podcasts I make, I got, that's what I do, that's my routine, go to the new arrivals, and found Brown Boy, a memoir by Omar Aziz, it's a biography, and it's about a uh, Pakistani-Canadian 
a first-generation Pakistani Muslim boy growing up miles away from wealthy, growing up miles away from wealthy white down down Toronto. Okay, Marzi's felt divided between two worlds, not quite his own. In high school, sense of alienation only worsened. But after seeing President Obama on television for the first time during his senior year, Omer, because that's how you pronounce it, Omer, um, had an epiphany. With education, dedication, and sheer determination, anything is possible. Um, I'm going to find this quite interesting. It's another Canadian story, as was uh, Page Boy. Um, through a powerful personal narrative, Omar Aziz delivers a memoir that wrestles with the tensions inherent in the pursuit of belonging in a Western world. Brown Boy is a poetic debut about the price of upward mobility, the quest for knowledge, and the politics of being brown and coming of age at a time of change and upheaval. So it sounds really, really good, and I'm very excited. Like, I picked it up and thought, mm, do, yeah, do, really, yeah? And then the other voice said, yeah. So here I am, my next book. I'm going to sit here, drink my $1 iced coffee, and uh, read a little bit. Sitting here in the front of Sal, absolutely another gorgeous, gorgeous day uh, here in beautiful Scarborough, Ontario. Signing off. Bye for now. Next time. Next time. Next time, I promise. And we're off. Coming to you this time from uh, Bluffers Park. I have not been here for a while. I have not recorded uh, from here for a while. It is uh, Friday, June 23rd. By God, the time flies by way too fast. But uh, here it is, slightly overcast day. And uh, I'm here with my um, large McCafe iced coffee for a dollar. So, you heard the first clip. Today I decided, learned my lesson, used the app, and it was very easy. My God, the McDonald's ones is, is quite easy. And so, you know, I stopped, I parked outside the McDonald's. Okay, read it through. What do you have to do? Okay, all right, this, this, all right, all right. Check here, yeah, check here, yeah. And um, if you hit all the right buttons... The only thing I had to do is I had to add a payment method back on. And that kind of annoyed me because I took it off last time because of that fiasco of being charged. And I still don't know if that's going to show up on my bill or not. And I'm going to have to go back and fight for it. Um, but uh, they needed a credit card for you to do this automatically. It's paid for. So you end up with, uh, you know, uh, just a number, letter, number, combination, and you, uh, when they say, what can I help you with? And um, you just give that out and bam, you drive up and there it is. It's ready. So it worked quite well. And I actually enjoyed it. It was it was tasty while I read my book. So my day started once again by returning Brown Boy. I mean, you just heard in the first clip from Tuesday. Today's Friday. I finished it yesterday afternoon. I really enjoyed it. And it was a, a story a, you know, autobiography of a, a Pakistani-Canadian who um, talked about what it was like to be, you know, have to succeed in this world of white people, often not being heard, and, and a lot of, um, you know, racism by established white people, especially once he started working for the federal government and being an advisor and uh, either not being listened to or spoken over and, and being invited to a party with some of the big wigs, and on arrival, I, I mean, I couldn't even believe this, handed a black plastic garbage bag by, I guess, the host, uh, assuming he knew what his job was. And his job at this party was not to talk about foreign experience. And this is a guy with, uh, who had, you know, well-educated, who went out of his way. That was what a lot of the book was about, of getting an education. Sorry, it's starting to rain. Um to collect other people's garbage. Shocking. And he just accepted it, swallowed his pride, 
and uh, collected, went around to all the established white folks, higher ranking than him, I guess, within the government, and uh, picked up their uh, their garbage, put it in the bag, and then left the party. So, I mean, that was just an example. What a very well-told tale. And what I love about it was he loves Scarborough. It was really a Scarborough story. Um, so that was great. That That was really good reading. Brown Boy... Uh, again, a Canadian perspective, but studied in France, studied in England, you know, at Cambridge and uh, um, yeah, univer- Queen's University in Kingston, uh, and a lot about the background of his parents and his mother being a, a, a good Muslim and his father being, um, I guess, a long hair during the 70s, which is kind of interesting. And so it was about the relationship with his parents. It, it was really well done and well worth reading. I, I know nobody in listening to this is going to read that book, but I felt it very fulfilling. And I think this new thing I'm on, I'm, I'm almost equating this new habit of mine of not buying books, looking around for my familiar, what's in what, what can I find in beat literature that I don't already have, of going to the new section, and I'm on a streak now of everything being published in 2023, which is where we're at now. Uh, fabulous. And they're just there. Oh, new books in this week, you know, and bam, I grabbed them. So today I got two. Um, this one is called Prisoner Number 1056, How I Survived War and Found Peace. But Neville's story proves that you really do make your own luck. An exciting, thoughtful, inspiring read by Roy Ratnavel, who was a uh, a Tamil. Now, I don't know very much about the uh, the war in Sri Lanka, the Tamils against the Sinhalese. Um, I know it was just a horrible story, and I think I I was probably not very sympathetic towards the Tamils. I, I sort of felt maybe they were responsible for a lot of these things, but I'm realizing, no, well, certainly from his version, and of course it's going to be slanted, his way of telling the story, but no, uh, this trouble started when the British left in 1948 and turned all the power over to the Sinhalese, who then in turn uh, made Sinhalese the official uh, language instead of English, putting the Tamils, uh, who were in the northern part of the country, uh, at a serious disadvantage. Um, so it's a story, and of course I've just got, I'm, all, I'm only on page 10, and he's already been arrested, or page 15, and being transported to prison. And uh, so it will be another Canadian story. And of course the man ends up on top with his, you know, what does he know? Born in 69 in the capital city of Colombo, Sri Lanka, at the age of 17, he became a political prisoner and spent grueling months in brutal and oppressive conditions. After his miraculous release from prison, he arrived in Canada all alone at the age of 18. Ratnavel is now an executive at Canada's largest independent asset management company. Hmm. He is accidental Sri Lankan by birth, an unapologetic Tamil by heritage, and a proud Canadian by choice. Prisoner 1056 is his first book. Uh, Ratnavel currently resides in Toronto with his wife and son. So, good read. Thrilled about that. The other book, the first one I found, that I looked at and said, no, I'm not going to get that one. And uh, sure enough, I got that one as well. It is called... I, I hope you don't mind. I'm sharing with you because what I was starting to say is this period of reading, of intensive reading, a lot during the day. No television, sit on the deck, just read, read, read. Um, It's a luxury to have that time. I'm not working, I don't have chores to do, or none that I want to do. Um, So that's a blessing. Um, But I'm equating it to getting the road trek. That sort of was a life changer for me. And I think... This developing, redeveloping my reading habit is pretty huge. It it means a lot. And it's enriching my life personally. Uh, The book by Elliot Page, who, incidentally, I saw on television today being interviewed about her book on CTV. And I was kind of delighted. He really handled it well and answered questions beautifully and is 
a deep-thinking, compassionate, caring individual deserving of respect. So that book also helped me, and uh, I'm grateful for that. Now this one, (laughs) I, I sort of took it almost as a challenge, Say the Right Thing, How to Talk About Identity, Diversity, and Justice by Kenji Yoshino and David Glasgow. Open-hearted and constructive, this is a crucial read for anyone seeking the words to put their values into the world. All right. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing. It's divided into chapters, but basically it's talking about a practical, shame-free guide for navigating conversation about our differences in a time of rapid social change. So I know this is going to be politically correct. How could it not be? But I also think it might be helpful and interesting. Again, 2023, just out. Conversations about identity are becoming more frequent and more difficult. By the way, I'm encouraging anybody listening to this thing to fucking read. Jesus, read. Never mind your fucking games and, you know, scrolling through this shit and that. Read. I think many of you are readers anyway, so sorry if that sounded a little rude and abrupt. I I think it was more of a a shout for me for... I've always been a reader, but I I had lapsed, and I really wasn't actively doing it. And it was just this... And I can thank Barnacle Bill for this, because he goes to the library all the time. Me thinking, maybe I should do that. And uh, getting lucky the first time I went to the library, and I've just had a, a fabulous role since. Anyway, because temperatures are running high on topics like race, gender, and sexual orientation, we're often terrified of seeing the wrong thing. Uh-uh. That fear can prevent us from speaking up at all, depriving people from marginalized groups of necessary support and stalling progress towards a more just and inclusive world. So I, I kind of like that idea. I'm going to read that. I'll, I'll, don't worry. Keep listening to this podcast and you'll hear more. I might even pass along some tips. I'm sure I will. Research-backed, accessible, and uplifting, Say the Right Thing gives us the practical tools to do good in our local spheres of influence, whether we're managing diverse teams at work, navigating issues of inclusion at college, or challenging biased comments at a family barbecue. Well, that covers a lot of ground, doesn't it? It charts a pathway out of cancel culture towards more nuanced, nuanced and empathetic dialogue on identity issues, showing how seemingly small interactions can lay the foundations for lasting change. This book, now listen carefully, this book is for anyone who wants to move from maintaining the flawed status quo to building a better society. Well, how could I not want to read that? Jesus. So anyway, it's your Scarborough in a fucking happy, 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 happy place. Happy because of these books. Happy because of this richness. Happy because I'm stimulating my brain. Happy because I'm still able to read and understand. Happy because I have this tremendous amount of freedom now at the age of 75 to fucking do whatever the fuck I feel like fucking doing. God, I'm sorry. That was so loud. I, I rolled my windows up. But I bet you the car next door heard that. So, apologies to that couple. (laughs) But I'm happy. I'm happy about a lot. Today I spent the day, the morning, part of the morning, looking up car races at Shannonville, which is just past Belleville, a track there, where they will be having a vintage race, just a one-day race. But, hey, that's worth going to. And also looking into... um, Ugh, the track in the States, in New York State. Uh, oh, I haven't been to yet, but I, that's a little more complicated going into the States for, uh, yeah, you know, I, I know that word so well. Anyway, so I'm, I'm looking at other things to do. I'm, I'm not satisfied with just going camping for the sake of camping. I want to combine it. I want to do things. I want to see people. I want to just keep getting meaning and satisfaction and even joy out of this life I'm leading, out of of the time I have left. I'd give myself 
Maybe 10 years. Well, 10 years is a long time, but 10 years goes fucking fast, too. So uh, you you got to just keep at it. you got to keep doing things. And yet you don't know what other challenges you're going to face, what other limits you might be exposed to and uh, have to deal with. So you got to make the most of what you got now, wherever you are at in your own life, right? That's my message to you. Make the most of what you fucking got and, and do better. Do better than that. Um, you know, improve your lot, however you think you can do that. All right. I don't know. There's a lady running around. She got wet. It's raining. She ran to a car, tried to open the door. They didn't open. Maybe they're teasing her. Now she's running. I think maybe she got to, into the wrong. She tried to get into the wrong car. I don't know. I don't know. She's still looking. Very confused. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> you squirrel. Um, yeah, she's sitting on a rock under a tree, probably waiting for the right people to come and pick her up. I don't know. All right, Scarborough Dude from Bluffers Park, uh, going back home to get some lunch and to read. I'm going to spend the af- rest of the afternoon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig right into the book about Sri Lanka. I'm not so interested in his success as a uh, head of a pension fund or whatever, but uh, the journey along the way, of course, is what these stories are all about. Scarborough Dude signing off from uh, Bluffers Park on Dixon Jane's podcast number 952. Bye for now. Okay, folks. It is 5.30 in the p.m. on a uh, Saturday afternoon. And, um, no, if this, if this time later. If, if this time later, sorry. Um, the, yeah, kind of a rainy day. It's a gay pride in Toronto, the parade anyway, or Dykes March and Parade, I don't know. Uh, but stuff going on downtown. My uncle thought there was a um, kind of a you know, flea market on the Danforth. And uh, so the deal we have sometimes, if there's things like that going on, it's impossible to park, it's really busy, that, no, I'll drive. Like, I, I want to do anything to help her, because she works, I mean, she does ten times minimum more than me on it, on every day of the week. Uh, you know, and that's her job, and, and all the stuff around the home, and, and everything. So, the little I can do, I'll drive somewhere and just wait. So, um, I knew the route, all right, go along, and uh, let's go along the Danforth. And then, as we're driving, her Mazda started, this little thing comes up, uh, attraction control it shows so it shows the car slipping you know a little icon oh that's not good and then it seemed like gee the uh temperature light came on flashing red so none of this is good and then it happened once before you know just a few days ago and i'd go to you go to put your foot on the pedal and there's no tra- it's not going anywhere it's not engaged you know you're barely crawling along and something's wrong and uh, so we were close enough we were at donlands and the flea market was supposed to have stopped started at pape you know pape to broadview so it just happened that as this was happening, and oh, it's getting worse, and it's the car is starting to almost jerk, you know, we got to pull over and stop. There's an opening. There's a clear open parking space on the Danforth at Donlin's directly in front of the only cafe. And I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty good. Only cafe. Okay, well, how about I let you off here? You can walk to, um, you know, where it's going to start probably at, uh, at Pape. It's not that far. That's the walk I have to take when I, uh, you know, come into the only. Um, so off she goes, and she's worried about the car. And I said, don't worry, don't worry, I'll look after it. But meanwhile, I'm thinking, I'm going to go into the only cafe and park right in front and um, get myself a nice Americano. So that's exactly what I did. But first, of course, I've got to wrestle out the uh, the roller, you know, my walking device, and then check the number for Green Pea Parking. So I go to Green Pea Parking, and it's suddenly... It's not recognizing. I mean, this happened the last time, and it's asking, okay, well, what's your code? And, eh, don't be, you know, I've got a few in my head for bank cards and things, four digits, you know. Ugh. So it says, all right, we need to establish it's you, otherwise we're going to have to erase everything and start all over. And I'm like, no, 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 just give me a chance. You know, I'm almost talking to this thing. So it sends me a six-digit number for verification, sends it to my, my um, you know, my um, phone number. So I enter those six numbers. Great, okay, now enter your green pea parking code four digits yeah, it's wrong try another one's wrong and now it's gonna erase everything and start over with no cards and i don't want to erase i just want no no come on come on it shan't be this hard so i pull up another set of numbers and yeah 
I got it right this time. It's the right four digits. Okay, go ahead. Now, enter the four digits of the parking spot you're at, like 5713. I think that was it anyway. That's where you're parked. And how much time do you want? One an hour. Okay, good. $3. And you've got $5 left on your uh, credit for this thing. So, okay, well, that's good. And then it sort of say, I think it's... Uh, process payment or something like that. I don't know. I didn't quite know what it was, but I thought I've done everything I need to do. Um, I'll just go into the only cafe and get my coffee. So I go into the only cafe and order my Americano, uh, pay for that. The the, uh, guy behind the counter, the barista, was kind enough to carry it over for me. So I had a walker with two hands on it and carried it over to the table. So which table would you like? And I got a nice table, wonderful little lamp, posted a picture, checked in, you know. Um, so, all is good. Then, if, okay, now I better check the green pea parking and see how much time do I actually have. And I open it up, and it says, oh, expired. I didn't push this process payment. I guess that was the button. Process payment. I didn't process payment quickly enough, and I have to start over. Oh, okay, all right, all right, I'll do it now. So, it gives me the time of, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, one hour. It was going to be, I think, at one fifty, one fifty nine. Not quite 2 o'clock, one fifty nine. I'm going to add an hour onto that. I do that, process it, and then I think, hmm. So it wasn't processed before when I parked and came in to get my coffee, and I'm right at the door, so I'll just I'll just check out just in case there's any problem, because what I've noticed, across the street, I see a guy in that distinctive uh, parking uh, officer's uniform where they go and check cars. Oh, okay, that's odd timing. He's just come. Remember now, it's 1.59. I look, and I see a yellow ticket which means a $30 fine on my car. I've done everything correct, except I didn't push that final button. You know how I've told you many times on this podcast, if only I had a separate podcast just for the number of times apps have screwed me up, or I've been screwed up by apps, or I've screwed up apps, however you want to phrase it, it just happens. I look at that ticket, I pick it up, one fifty-nine By two minutes, this guy, just as I got out of the car and came in to order my coffee, that guy walked back, checked, he's got the little app there, no, he puts in the license, but no, this one hasn't paid, bam, $30 ticket. After, I had just tweeted about how lucky I was that the car was acting up right outside the only cafe. How lucky can you get, Ken? You go in, you have a coffee, you're comfortable, now it goes off shopping down the street, this is just perfect. Except that now you have a $30 parking picket. Parking, parking picket. I did not tell Naoko. She, she worries so much about little things, and it would have spoiled her day. And I thought, I, I mean, I should fight. Come on. You know, wait two minutes. And But how do you fight it? You know, if, I, if I pleaded before a judge, look, I, I didn't even realize till I got in I hadn't paid. I did everything right, but I'm old, and I'm confused by apps. And I didn't push that confirm payment button when I should have. I just didn't. I ignored it. I just thought, okay, it's there. All right, yeah, it's done. We're ready to go. We're done. I got an hour. No, I had no time at all. I hadn't confirmed the three dollars, the final step in the app that was required. I'm not blaming the Green Pea, Green Pea app. I'm blaming myself. But God damn it, thirty bucks, and by, by two fucking minutes, it, it's just. So I mean, you can dispute the tickets, but how, how do you even do that? You know, should I just pay the thirty dollars? Okay, city needs the money. Toronto's poor. You know, thirty dollars will come from somewhere else some other time. Just, just, just pay it and forget it. And it, it, it in a way, it's almost funny. It's almost funny. It wouldn't be funny to Nalco, but to me it's almost funny. Like, how stupid, you know? I'm screwed again by another fucking app. Push that button? No, it requires you to push it, you know? I need alarm bells, you know? It's like when you leave your keys in the ignition and you open the door, you hear the bing, 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 I need that kind of thing, right? Or when you leave the lights on, bing, 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 Turn the lights off, buddy. Anyway, that's all I wanted to share with you. It kind of really, it sucks. Thirty, but you know, it doesn't matter a hill of beans. It just goes from this little ticket. I go online. It goes from this card, credit card, and the next bill comes in in a month, and I pay that money by this process. It's like it's not even real. It's not like I'm counting coins, you know, to fish it out and put it in somebody's hand. And I saw the guy across the street. I, you know, I, I couldn't do it fast enough. I couldn't go out yelling. And what could he, once he's entered it, he can't, you can't sweet talk the guy and say, you do it or I wouldn't give him more. It's not his fault. He's just doing his job. It's funny because the book I just finished, the whole story is about the guy's entire life was spent, the father, as a, a parking traffic ticket, parking enforcement public servant in Scarborough. Anyway, so I finished that book, uh, Brown Boy. I thought it was excellent. It was really well written. 
And I picked up uh, another book at the library. I don't know if I mentioned this or not. Probably not. Prisoner 1056, How I Survived War and Found Peace. Uh, Rat Neville's story proves that you really do make your own luck. An exciting, thoughtful, inspiring read. I am not very impressed. Certainly not with his writing. A lot of cliches. It doesn't even compare to the real writing of, of Brown Boy was written as a, as a first novel in his biography, but it was really very well written and edited. This one's telling a story, but it shouldn't even be called. He was only a prisoner for three months, although as horrific as it was, I mean, he was a 17-year-old kid uh, of a, a Tamil, you know, um, brutally, brutally treated, watching other teenagers die and be tortured and killed. So it's not to belittle his experience, but I don't think that should. I mean, it's a catch. I think it's done because it's a catchy title. It caught my interest, but I, I don't think that's the whole focus of the novel. It's about how successful he was. I mean, and you're really talking about karma. So, but the thing is, it's good, and it's another Scarborough story. This is the weird thing. This is also taking place very near, right near Victoria Park, very close to here. So I, I'm I'm thrilled from that aspect of it. Um, I did have some quotations from the other book, Brown Boy. Um, I'm going to read one thing. Uh, I, I guess it's to do with hope. Uh, so this is a quotation from the book I just finished. Everywhere I went, I met young people, just like myself, outsiders, looking in, speaking different languages, working towards different dreams, creating for themselves that which did not yet exist. And I saw that what bound me to young people everywhere was not my name or my heritage alone, but an impatience with the way things were, an urgency to reimagine the world, to create something better. History was history, but the future could always be rewritten. And I, I think that's pretty good. And this was, you know, what it was like to be a Pakistani-Canadian and, and the the subtle forms of discrimination and racism and, and uh, you know, how hard it really was to fit in and, and adapt. So there you go. Even though he was born in Canada, the other guy came. Um, maybe one more quote while I'm at it, okay? Uh, from Brown Boy once again. When I walked the streets of Paris, he studied in Paris for... Uh, well, for quite a while. It was a turning point in his life. When I walked the streets of Paris, I tried to trace the history backward. From the standpoint of the colonized, there was but one true political problem, and it was homicide. Kill us or be killed. Cage us or be caged. Conquer us or be conquered. Colonize us or be colonized yourself. Perhaps this is what the West was truly afraid of, that what they had done to others would now be done to them. That's good. That's good. Um, huge, I was going to go on the story, do families of, uh, you know, victims of crime, in this case the parents of the two girls uh, who were killed by Paul Bernardo so brutally, horrifically, um, have a say in his prison sentence, or is this done by the legal system? Uh, he was transferred from maximum security to, uh, I guess, mid-level security, a, a different prison. And there's been a huge backlash from the lawyer that represented the parents, from the parents, uh, from other people saying, how can you transfer? Why is he doing softer time? He's not been apologetic. He's gotten away with it. Everybody's bitter because his wife got off, you know, on a technicality, and uh, uh, Carla Homolka got to live a whole new life and have her own family, and, and even though she was a part of this whole horrific story. Um, but I think it is, no, you have to leave it. it. It's not up for the, because, I, I mean, soon you would have people wanting torture, wanting pain, wanting the death penalty back. Uh, and I don't think that's the way Canada wants to go. So it, it was just that issue, but I'm not going to go into it anymore. Um, the issue of the submarine that sank with the five people who each paid $250,000 to look at the uh, what's left of the Titanic. And, of course, the uh, submarine was not built to proper standards. And uh, 
it imploded and they died instantly and there's probably no bodies left to recover. Um, but it had like four days, five days, or maybe a week of news coverage and the amount of resources of the U.S. Navy, the Canadian Coast Guard, the amount of money that was spent trying to save, holding out hope that they might still be alive. And, of course, they, had, they died but you know, on that first day within hours. Um, but this holding hope and presumed dead which is ridiculous. Hey, they're gone. <laughs> Sorry. Why are you using presumed dead? Um, anyway, that story versus, you know, a ship with uh, refugees or wanting wannabe refugees uh, drown, sinking in the Mediterranean and, and 300 people lost, drowned, you know, horrifically drowning and scrambling to the very end to survive and not being able to and barely a, a blip on the news, you know, storyline. Um, and and so you think, yeah, and people sort of... Jesse, Jesse Brown talked about this on a Canada Land. And, I mean, the world's... The Western world, our world, was interested in this submarine story. It was more catchy than a, than a boat full of refugees. And, and that says something that just seems not quite Christian, that, that no amount, the amount of care, oh my God, those poor people, I hope they don't suffer, I hope they don't run out of air and die, you know, that way, um, versus no time at all to think about these other unnamed brown people or whatever, coming from North Africa or wherever they were, Libya, Syria, Africa, Pakistan, you know, wherever, who just sort of lost, namelessly gone down. Um, and do people care? Was was any any attempt made to save them? Do people want to? And and uh, to be quite honest, I don't feel compassion for those people. Yeah, they they made a chance to get away, but I guess I have no defense uh, other than the world is flooded with refugees. The world is in a horrible state because of war. Uh, Syria in particular, the horror. I, what are you? What are you going to do? What's to be done? How do we fix this? How do we care? How do we make it a just world? Uh, that sounds pretty damn shallow. Sorry, uh, chicken. You probably had more to say on all of this. Chicken doesn't want to talk now. After that, so uh, Scarborough Dude signing off from a Saturday afternoon. Uh, this will be soon to wind down this particular podcast, which uh, <sighs> I don't know what I give you anymore. I don't get any feedback, so I really don't know how it resonates or does not. I just hope somebody, a few of you, like the vroom vroom gar sounds. That's all I can say. Scarborough Dude sitting in his cell. Um, I gotta fix this radio. I gotta fix this fridge. I got shit to do, and uh, yeah. Bye for now. I'm a cork on the ocean, floating over the raging sea. How deep is the ocean? How deep is the
hope you enjoyed uh, that Beach Boys song as much as I do. Uh, that's the third time I've played it on the Dixon Janes podcast. Cause, uh, I was looking for one. I just felt I needed to give you a song uh, for a change from me going on and on and on and on. Um, and that's the one that uh, that's the one that I picked. It's just a beautiful song. I remember at, uh, when I was still going to the church. And uh, I tried to introduce something before board meetings. I said, how about if before every meeting we start with a song? And, of course, I was going to be the one choosing the songs. And I chose that one for Scott, our uh, our head, I guess, musician or music master, whatever the title was for uh, for the church, for looking after the choir and everything. And, um yeah. Yeah, and I gave out the lyrics, but anyway, there's the, that's the end of that. Hey, listen, I've only got 15 minutes left. I I know, and Chicken has some things that want he would like me to talk about. Yes, I, yeah, I know that too. I'm going to. So, okay, so I'm going to go with Chicken's topics, okay? So if you don't mind. Chicken is very interested in education, as you can imagine, because I know, I know yeah, I'll, I'll tell the story, okay? Because they understand me better than you. All right. Um, and in British Columbia, they have decided to do away with the letter grades uh, that they've used forever, you know, um, and replace them with uh, four four categories. And I found it kind of interesting. This is going like from junior kindergarten all the way up to grade nine, so that you'd know. And I guess the letter grades, I mean, hey... Uh, what would they even be now? I I don't know um, what they would use. I, I know what I had. We had E for excellent, V for very good, G for good, F for fair, and U for unsatisfactory, which meant failure. But F was bad enough. I mean, that's the way it was. Um, I, don't, I don't know what they were. I should have looked that up. But anyway, instead of those former letter grades, what they're doing... Uh, and they're keeping letter grades for the later uh, years, after grade 9. But what they're replacing them is with are four categories. Developing. Yeah. Emerging. Proficient. And extended. So developing, meaning your kid hasn't got it yet. Like, hey, uh, they're behind the rest of the class. I mean, what else could developing mean? They're developing. Yeah, all right, we've we've taught it. He understands this is math class and not uh, geography class, but he's still, she is still missing something, okay? So that's developing. Emerging is kind of like, well, yeah, it's coming along, but uh, maybe could you help with the homework or do a little more to, uh, because that kid's not there yet. I found that very strange. I think it's very hard to differentiate between developing and emerging, like wow, they must have had. They must have talked forever <laughs> in the in the meetings over what these terms actually mean and where they fall. Uh, the one after emerging is proficient, and that's what you want, right? Proficient. Hey, okay, you can do it. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, he's with. He's grade five. He's doing grade five level. He's fine. And then extended because you know, yes. There's always smarties in the class, always the brains. Every group, every class, every year, every school has the brains. And so they have extended. Oh, they go beyond. Oh, very good, Johnny. Um, So there you go. Anyway, I don't know. I I mean, I bring that up because I don't think that many people. Well, chicken. Yes, chicken brought it up. I know because most of our listeners won't even bother you know, dealing with stuff like that. But I'm an educator. I, I find it interesting. But my question is, what's the real difference between developing and emerging? Come on. Um, I talked about the cursive writing, I think. Oh, I don't know if I did. That's what they're mandating in school now. They're bringing it back. Some people say, I didn't even know it was missing. And most... Younger people, I would say, as far as social media goes, are saying, what the hell? And everybody's making smart al- you know, jokes, uh, you know, including our friend Anthony Marco, where they're going to bring back slates next and chalk, you know. 
And I really, really pushed this. No, this is hand-eye. The studies have done hand-eye brain coordination. When you force, your brain forces your hand to move in a certain way. Now, some kids just won't be able to do it. It's going to be very, very difficult. Other kids will benefit from. So do you take it out of the curriculum? Because, oh, sorry, some kids are never going to be able to. They, don't, they can't hold a, a pen. Listen, my own son, who is the artist, who is an amazingly talented drawer, holds his pencil in a fist. And every teacher tried to break that habit. Right up until he got into art school, and they said, hey, man, if it works, keep at it. And he has complete control, holding it like a fist, in his fist. So some kids may have to do it that way. But the idea is, and I, I go back to me, it's I go back to the Asian models of kids who learn to eat using chopsticks. I would argue across the board if you gave, well, who has the best drawing skills? Who is, who's good at doing certain things that involve using your hands, folding origami, whatever. Any kid who's learned to eat with chopsticks, to eat, you know, grains of rice with chopsticks, and not just grabbing a big fucking fat spoon to shovel it into his mouth or her mouth, um, is going to be an advantage. You're going to develop other levels. Things are going to happen. Things are going to work between the brain and the hand and the eyes. And and something positive comes from that. And, um, you know, I'm not going to go into the science. No, I know. This is also what Chicken wanted to talk about, okay? So it's really, it's a related topic. But anyway, we're going to leave it at that. We've done education. All right. You're welcome. Yes, Chicken's very, very pleased we got that out of the way. So... I'm going to move on. Tomorrow's my men's group. Oh, no, one more thing. Very important, and it goes back to education in a way. Um, Reading. Reading carefully. So I've been talking about how pissed off I am, how upset, how stressed I am about the cataract surgery I'm going to have and what it's going to cost. And I was saying, I was going up to about $1,600 or something because I didn't read carefully. There's a fee of $150 per eye to have laser eye measurement, which is better than the no-cost eye measurement if you're going to get lenses put in, good quality lenses. So it's recommended. And I think I went through my eye doctor, the surgeon himself who I met, Dr. Rafi, had very good, the free cost, good enough, you know, very good, yep, yep, you'll be all right, but better Pay $150 per eye to have a proper laser eye measurement so it knows exactly the shape of your eye and the, and the lens that will fit properly and correct your vision better. $150 each. Then, well, you want the good lenses, here is best, $580 per eye to get the high contrast lens, uh, which means I'm going to need reading glasses probably at the end. So... What I didn't read was all upgraded lenses below, that would be the $580 per eye, improve night vision, enhance color and contrast, and include the IOL Master Laser Eye Measurements. I was thinking I had to pay that extra. So suddenly it's costing me $580 times two for my eyes, and I can live with that. I went to see Dr. Ramesh, my own eye doctor today. Oh my God, Ken, you're taking a long time. And she just kind of just kind of reassured me and sort of said, well, you, know, you can, you'll, you'll see better. You'll have to come back for me a month after the surgeries and, and we'll test again to see what you need. And you're probably going to need reading glasses. Uh, but it is true that you might find you can watch television and do other things, including driving, without needing glasses at all. So this is a big deal, and it's big news. So Steve, you're going to be hearing about that, whether you like it or not, on the Dixon Change podcast. All I wanted to do today was correct and say I misread, and uh, I don't have to pay that extra $150. So now suddenly I'm comfortable. I saw my eye doctor, who's just a wonderful woman. That's Dr. Ramesh. If you need an eye doctor in Scarborough, highly recommended. And uh, she's a pro, and she's very kind and very good. And uh, I have just full confidence in her. All right, put that aside. Last thing, men's group tomorrow. We've got five minutes. I'm going to read out a quote. I I sent off 
um, we have a group who tend these things, and, and out of the 15 or 18 people who are on the mailing list, maybe up to 10 might show up per meeting. And uh, so I uh, sometimes if I find something interesting, I'll send out a link to all the other members and say, hey, I read this, and what do you think? And, of course, it was on uh, what it is to be, truly to be a, a, um, a humanist, and almost like what are your obligations, what's expected of you if you're going to call yourself a humanist, what do you have to do? And another man from the States, a 90-year-old who's in our group, a wonderful, bright scientist, um, wrote back to me and said, well, I was a, an, an ethic, ethicalist, God, ethicist, Another group, sort of related to humanists. Oh, 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 gotta put the windows up. Damn, 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 hang on. Oh, yeah, panic, panic, it's raining. Oh, shit, key on, key on, come on, come on, come on. Sorry. Um, so anyway, he wrote to me and said, well, here's a little research on a, on a group that I belong to in Baltimore. And I went on to that site, which was, you know, how to be an ethical human being, you know, what, what's involved in the caring for others. And I found one particular passage that I really liked, and I'm going to read that out and share it with you. So please listen carefully now, okay? If if everything has just been noise up to now, just Scarborough dude squawking away, squawking away like a chicken, just squawking, squawking. Okay, now, no more squawking. I'm going to read something very important. I want you to listen. Growth of the human spirit is rooted in self-reflection, but can only come to full flower in community. I'm going to repeat that sentence. Growth of the human spirit is rooted in self-reflection, which I do a lot of, but can only come to full flower in community. This is because people are social, needing both primary relationships, that would be your family, tight friends, and larger supportive groups to become fully human. Our social nature requires that we reach beyond ourselves to decrease suffering and increase creativity in the world. So I'm going to hold that as sort of a new mantra that you've got to reach beyond yourself. I can be sit there when I'm camping or at the races and get a little bit of high and sit in my chair and think, God damn, I've done a nice job living out my life. Isn't this fucking wonderful? Yeah! I'll even go and talk to those people over there. Yeah! But this is... There's a little more. You've got, to, you've got to be part of community. And I'm not fully sure, and I think I might bring it up at the meeting tomorrow, what does that really imply? Because I did feel that when I belonged to West Hill United Church for five years. I really felt it, it gave me a boost, and I was plugged in, and I did play a role within that church. But the question is, what other role do you play? Like, what other groups and communities are you involved with? And I feel more and more distant from the podcasting community than ever. I mean, I didn't get to the last uh, pod camp. We've got MMPR coming up. But I don't think, it doesn't feel like we're listening to each other, that we're connecting, that we're meeting. I don't feel a sense of community or minimally within the podcasting community, the community I used to really feel, wow, this is my group. So either I need something else or I need to push the reset button and find out why am I feeling that. I mean, half the time I read things, certainly on the Discord and others, I don't know what the fuck people are talking about or I have no interest. So, I mean, that's part of it. Part of the problem is mine. But do I need to find a new community? I guess that's what I'm getting at. Do I need to be part of a bigger community somehow? Our social nature requires that we reach beyond ourselves to decrease suffering and increase creativity in the world. And I've always felt I I do a fairly good job at this, of being part of community. I connect with people. And maybe by community it doesn't mean all at once, all together. It could be person by person, one at a time, over coffee, for example. Um, but there you go. So I'm just going to leave that there. This is the end of the podcast. Chicken, are you okay? Yeah, okay. Chicken is very happy that we got at least some of the other things out about education, and we won't need to squawk anymore. And uh, I'm feeling better about the uh, 
surgery that I will have to pay for, even though, according to Doug Ford, I don't have to at all. I could just have the basic eye surgery, basic measurements, and a basic lens. They're entirely funded by OIP. There is no cost to the patient for basic surgery. And my own eye doctor recommends, because of my eyes and, and the fact that I do need a little help and, and have a quite a strong prescription, that uh, it would be better to pay and have the uh, the upgraded lenses and measurement. Scarborough Dude, signing off from uh, the Dixon Jane's podcast. Hope you've had a good week or things are good in your life or you're working on something and you're happy and you're challenged and you feel you're making personal growth and you're a better person now than you were even a month ago. I hope so. Try if you're not. Bye for now. Ooh, 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 what's my...